Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Do you like me and my lift? Please tell me by writing a short review of the show in iTunes and leaving me some gold stars. It helps others to find their way here too. I like gold stars. Can I have lots? Pretty please? Leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode number 6 of The Lift. Before we get to the story, as always, a big thank you to our Patreon and other supporters. Your support helps keep the show coming. Without your support, we really couldn't afford to keep making the show. A lot of time and money goes into making The Lift, and we do rely fully on our Patreon supporters to make the show a sustainable thing. Your support allows us to continue to collaborate with others and keep making the show you love. Plus, once we hit certain goals, we can cover all of our costs and afford to make more than one episode a month. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. Victoria does need your help to keep her lift running. Lastly, a big thank you to those who took the time to rate the show five stars and write nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help others find the show and, of course, We love knowing what we make is special to you. Also, many, many of you have asked us for Victoria-related merchandise, and we finally have that available for you. If you go to victoriaslift.com forward slash store, that'll take you to our combined store with our other show, The Wicked Library, which includes Victoria merchandise, librarian merchandise, and Victoria and the librarian merchandise. We also have an anthology coming up this year. We're working very hard to get that ready for you, and that will be coming up before Christmas. This anthology will contain nine stories, because of course it would contain nine. The stories are all new and about two to three times longer than the stories you normally hear here. The anthology will also have custom illustrations and a cover by the amazingly talented Jeanette Andromeda. You can also expect some great extras like schematics for things like Victoria's Music Box, The Lift, and more. We're very excited to share these special stories with you, and hope you'll be anxiously anticipating the book. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's story. Today's story is told by the amazingly talented Jessica McAvoy, and, of course, our own Amber Collins. As always, our custom score is composed by our resident composer, Nico Vitese. Now, we'll let Paul Sading say hello, and then we'll go for a ride. Hi, this is Paul Sading, author of today's story, Inside These Walls. I'm an author of Chasing the Demon and my new horror anthology called 12 Deaths of Christmas, which is coming out in a few months. And I also do audio dramas like Subject Found and Who Killed Julie. You can find more information about me and the things I'm creating over at paulsading.com. Find more episodes of The Lift over at victoriaslift.com. Enjoy! Enjoy! 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place. Charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. Will you accept your fate? Or change it? I have my music box. And a library lost. But I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Anna Creed was in pain. A lot of pain. She rolled onto her side, hoping to relieve it. But that didn't work. Nothing would. If it's not physical, it's the mental anguish. It never stops. She grimaced, reminded of her family's betrayal. In her younger years, she would have done something about the children. But what was an elderly woman with adult kids to do? Once the most powerful woman in the city... Someone who set the law yet lived outside it, Anna was now a prisoner, ensnared by the grip of approaching death. These inhumane living conditions in this godforsaken nursing home didn't make any of this easier. She deserved better, and told the staff so on numerous occasions. But they would pat her liver-spotted hand and smile at her. Okay, Mrs. Creed, they would say in sing-song tones, like people do when dealing with petulant children. One of them approached now. Her shoes clicked on the tiled floor outside Anna's room, just before the door handle turned. Miss Creed, are you awake? The nurse, Sarah, whispered, stepping into the room without asking permission. Anna didn't sleep much anymore. This rascal knew that. Come on, let's heat you up. Anna swatted the small pill cup on the tray table, spraying its contents across the room. Sarah put her hands on her hips. Why did you do that? Those pills are expensive. Anna glared. She didn't have to answer to anyone, 
least of all this nurse, a woman who couldn't be bothered to tuck away the loose strands of hair projecting out of her bun. And those horrendous fingernails. What type of respectable woman painted her nails that color? The pills weren't doled out to help with her discomfort. They depressed her mental faculties. That's how staff controlled the residents in this nursing home. She wouldn't tolerate it. Anna was a creed, and creeds did not allow themselves to be victimized by anyone. Sarah sighed. <sighs> okay, Mrs. Creed. Do you want me to help you to get to the restroom, or would you prefer the pan? Anna rolled away, facing the window looking out at the parking lot. A Pontiac Firebird and one of those new Ford Pintos took up two spots, the only cars. People don't care about the dying. Anna tried to recall the last time her own kids visited or brought the grandchildren to see her. The nurse knelt, searching for the pills, and Anna didn't bother to hide her smile. The minx deserved it. Finally giving up, Sarah said, A few of your pills are missing, so I have to dispense more. I'll be a few minutes. Anna waited for the click of the handle, and the rising sound of staff talking with the other elderly residents. Her neighbors. When the door closed again, Anna sighed. She was finally alone. Now she would be able to rest and maybe sleep through the stupid girl's return. Maybe I'll finally go to sleep and never wake up. Wincing as jabbing spasms clutched her spine, she gasped, trying to catch her breath. Her head throbbed. Bolts of pain on the side of her temple made Anna squeeze her eyes shut. The migraines were constant these days becoming worse with the passing months she rotted in this prison for the dying. This one was the worst yet. She gripped the bedsheet with fists that reanimated with the vitality of a long past day when she was younger. Finally, the moment passed. Her head still swirling, Anna opened her eyes and... The room was... She shot up. What is this? She shouted. Her voice was so strong. Dark velvet wallpaper inset with thousands of golden teardrops replaced the stale wall paint. She'd only seen wallpaper like this in one building in her entire life. It can't be, she said, surprised at how clear her throat was of its usual phlegm and how full her voice sounded. No, not full. It sounded... younger. Cool air danced across her neck. Anna felt for her hair, stunned that it was pulled up into a tight bun for the first time in... well, since she came to this prison. Her hands glided down from her hair to her cheeks. No wrinkles. Now on her throat... That familiar slab of loose, aged skin was gone. Her heart skipped as she felt her breasts. Firm, even without a brassiere, 
What in the heavens? She threw back the covers, exposing two smooth, shapely legs. Below her feet, hardwood flooring replaced the sterile tile she'd moped across a thousand times. This is a dream. A cruel dream. Her room was different. Her body rejuvenated. Yet it couldn't be. Though her hair was full and her body was firm, the pain she'd been living with for well over two decades was still there. The vice still squeezed her spine, and those familiar bolts still shot up her legs when she swung them over the edge of the bed. Wiggling her toes, she flinched. It was all so real, though. Barbs shot through her elbows as she pulled her robe off the hanger and slipped it on. In the bathroom, Anna flicked on the light and... yelped. The woman in the mirror was her, but not her. Anna now stared into the eyes of her younger self, the woman she was back when she controlled the city as the madam of the best damn brothel in town. She stroked her luscious auburn hair, her smooth cheeks. Could the rest of her body have healed as well? Steeling herself against what the last few decades had done to her body, she pulled open her robe and lifted her nightgown. An old woman's nightgown. She stopped before raising it above her stomach. With a deep breath, and a disregard for choking humility, she yanked it above her breasts. This time, she couldn't stifle the tears. Her body was perfect again. Anna grabbed the sides of the sink, crying into the basin. It was real. She was her youthful, wonderful, powerful self again. Even in this form, her joints ground as she moved. But if Anna was anything, she was an opportunist. If this was possible, then there must be a way to heal her broken body, too. Anna tilted her head back, grimacing as her joints flexed, and began to dress. The outfit was the best she had here, but still the clothes of a woman nearing her grave. Panic gripped her, clamping down on her throat as she got ready. Today's world wasn't the same she'd ruled all those years ago. Back then, you could do what you wanted if you knew the right people and had the right connections. But this post-Vietnam disco-era world was different. Did the same rules apply? What about her connections? Surely they were dead or dying. She bit her lip, her healthy, strong teeth drawing blood. Why was she worried? She had money, and now she had to be worth. Anna did the quick calculations. Processing information was easy again. I've got to be worth. Hundreds of millions of dollars, she beamed. Slipping on her generic hospital shoes, Anna grabbed the door handle and paused before opening it. And... Stepped into the foyer of the Ruby Room. 
Anna gasped, clutching her chest, her heart thumping voraciously behind her perky breasts. To her side, the black man whose name she never bothered to learn took the jacket of a guest, one of the local councilmen. Anna smiled, unsure if he'd recognized her dressed in but she wasn't in her nursing home clothes anymore. Her Georgette crepe dress, complete with the lace collar and flare skirt, fit splendidly, hugging her body in all the right places while still presenting her as a lady of repute. She felt beautiful for the first time since, well, since Franklin D. Roosevelt was president. The councilman, Mr. Johnson gave her a peculiar look, but laughter arising from the bar pulled her attention away from him. Ah, the bar. How many laws had unofficially been approved at that 40-foot mahogany expanse? Thirty girls worked the floor today. Her business was as strong as ever. The black man laughed with the councilman. Anna was about to chastise him for his inappropriateness when her eyes locked on something on the wall. A calendar, the year printed in bold, swirling letters. 1929. The world swam. Anna cast out a hand to keep her balance. Could it really be? Instead of Roosevelt, was it Coolidge? Instead of putting a man on the moon a few years ago, were Charles Lindbergh and Amelia Earhart all the rage of aviation? The Great Depression hadn't even happened yet. This was grand. Even though her joints screamed, Anna bounced on the balls of her feet. She was starting the prime of her life over, but this time, she knew what was coming. This time, she could prepare. Smoke hung in the air as the piano man played Helen Kane's I Just Want to Be Loved by You to the vocal accompaniment of one of the girls who held the attention of the 20 men surrounding her. Anna chuckled, ladylike, of course. So much work to do. Working girls greeted her as she crossed the foyer. She knew their game. They hoped for a curtailment that would never come. She'd told them that a thousand times before, and yet they never learned. And now, they were hers again. Anna grinned. The room was thick with the smell of women's perfumed bodies and men's cigarette smoke. She stepped into the lift to take her to her second floor office with a wide smile. Anna, a tiny voice said as the doors closed. Anna turned. A small girl stood in the corner. She was an inch over four feet tall and dressed in anachronistic clothing, even for the roaring twenties. Her golden hair, perfectly parted, shimmered. In her small hand, the little girl held a music box, exquisite in design and likely far too valuable for a child. Where is your father? Anna snapped. 
she was going to have words with the buffoon who brought this young girl into her business. That's a long story. <laughs> the young girl giggled. Best we save that for another time. The lift jarred to a start. Anna tried and failed to stifle her cry when her spine felt like it collapsed on itself. She grabbed the ornate bar. Even when the lift rose smoothly, Anna didn't let go. Who do you belong to, girl? I don't have a family, the little girl said. The sadness in her voice didn't reach her face. She's good. I could use her in a few years. Orphaned too? Even better. The little girl shook her head. You're a disgusting person, Anna Creed. Anna would have smacked the girl if she dared let go of the bar to cross the lift. I don't know what you're talking about, young lady. But you will not talk to me like that. Anna wagged a stern finger. As soon as I get to my office, I'll be calling on one of the boys to toss you out of here. We'll see how brave you are then. The girl shook her head. You won't do anything of the sort. Anna laughed. <laughs> oh, that's rich. What's your name? Anna wrapped her arm around the bar, tucking the cool brass in the crocks of her elbow, then reached into her handbag and pulled out a slim cigarette holder. As she twisted in a lucky strike, the girl responded. My name is Victoria Bigglesworth Hayes. And don't do that in here, it's completely unhealthy. When was this lift going to reach the damn floor? You have some nerve. You come here, where you don't belong, and think you can tell me what I can and can't do? Have you no idea who you're talking to? I should box your ears. Victoria giggled at the comment. <laughs> giggled. Yes, I know who you are. You're Anna Crete, heiress to a family fortune. Your father got rich selling rifles to the military. And you opened the ruby room of his profits and connections. You're already a millionaire in your twenties, and you'll go on to make hundreds of millions in the stock market and real estate. Anna almost dropped the cigarette holder. I ought to slap that smirk from your face, she spat. Victoria smiled. If you'd like, we can talk about how you made that fortune. Bribing public officials, using slave labor, taking advantage of abandoned immigrants. Anna's cool facade slipped. She'd just gotten everything back, and this little gnat was threatening it. How did she know any of this? Who was the rat who shared the Ruby Room's darkest secrets with a child? As soon as they reached the second floor, she was calling for Harold. You forget your place. When we get to the- The elevator dinged, the floor indicator pointing to the number two. You're coming with- The words caught in her throat as she stepped out of the lift, into the foyer. Jubilance rising from the bar hinted that alcohol was now flowing freely. Anna hated drunks. But drunks were much looser with their billfolds. How? Anna took an involuntary step backward. Be careful! I almost stepped on my dress, Victoria said. Anna gasped. She leaned against the lift's mirrored wall 
and jabbed a finger toward the open doors. Go find your keeper, girl. No, Anacreed. I'm here for you. I don't have time for this. Anna pressed the button to the second floor, and the doors slid closed. Her back burned. She wanted to get to her office and lie down for a moment. This girl could go bother one of the men for all she cared. Maybe they'll shut her up. The lift started with a jerk, and when it jolted to a stop, the doors slid open. No, Anna whimpered. The bar greeted her again. The piano man popped along as he played Paul Whiteman's There Ain't No Sweet Man with accompaniment from the dancing girl from... Anna couldn't remember. She's from Spain. You would remember her if you took the time to get to know these women. Victoria chided. This time, Anna ignored what seven decades of life had done to her body. The fire burning within her was released the second she smacked Victoria. The pop when skin met skin was a sweet sound. But Victoria only stared. You think you are beyond reproach, she said. But no one is. Not even me. All actions have consequences. And even good people have to answer for the things they do during their lives. Victoria leaned in, her voice taking on a harshness that was years beyond the life of a simple child. And you are no good person, Anna Creed. Magic or the devil, something uncanny was at work here. Anna didn't understand it, but this was all very real. She was back in the Ruby Room, and neither the Great Depression or the Second World War had happened yet. This might be a blessing. If she was careful, strategic, she could be the most powerful woman in America within the next five years. She stabbed the button for the sixth floor this time. That might reset the lift, jolted enough to actually work this time. When it started with a jerk, lightning shot through the base of Anna's skull. Such torture. She hid the tears from this brat. She needed to rest. A few hours would do a world of wonder, and then she could begin working. Hard times were coming for millions. She'd have to start planning and strategizing now. Have you thought about your family since arriving back here? Victoria asked. Anna hadn't, and the stupid little girl probably knew that too. Then she should also know how Anna's own children had abandoned her in a second-rate nursing home, abdicating their responsibilities to strangers. Well, she'd be damned if she was going to listen to another word this gnat had to say. Anna stepped toward Victoria fully intent on doing to this girl what she did to any of the girls who worked for her. Removing toenails, a few hours in an ice bath, or even a cold night on the rooftop in nothing but her skin. That would teach this little bug what her role was. As she closed in on Victoria, the lift slammed to a stop. Anna's young knees gave out, and she fell into the mirrored wall, shattering the glass. Shards crashed down around her, stabbed into her flesh. 
Jagged pieces staked her feet to the floor. Another impaled her hand. She couldn't reach to pull the shard out. Through it all, Victoria stood where she had been, watching it all happen. The fact is, you are a horrible person, Victoria said. Please, she gasped. Help me. You could have helped those desperate immigrant women, Victoria countered coolly. You could have helped those women who lost their husband in the war to end all wars, who came to work so they could feed their children. All those men you forced to work long hours for meager wages. Did you know most of them had to take other work just to survive? I... I... Anna coughed. Her strength was fading faster than the blood spread from her wounds. They'd reached the sixth floor, but the doors still hadn't opened. The worst part is, you could have at least made reparations after you made your fortune. Victoria wagged a finger at her. Remember the housing boom? After the second war? The war that would kill most of the men who are, at this moment, patronizing your establishment? You made quite a lot of money during those years. Enough to make amends with the families, but you didn't. I... I gave them a life, Anna groaned. The world began to fade in and out. She had to hang on. You were cruel. The things you made those women do in the name of building wealth. And when they got pregnant, the lucky women were the ones you shunned, putting them on the street. They couldn't work! What was I supposed to do with those useless harlots? Anna shouted, the fire in her belly fueling her words. You stupid child! You don't understand what it takes to run an empire! Victoria's face sagged as she moved past Anna, speaking without turning around. Even now you show nothing but cruelty. Victoria laid a tender hand on the doors, and they slid apart as if repulsed by each other. Anna's eyes twitched. Her mouth hung open at the unbelievable scene playing out before her. She stared at the ruby room bar. As the mirror shards glided out of her feet and hand, Anna questioned her sanity. Thoughts swirled as the puncture wounds and slashed skin closed. Words failed. You have plenty of time to contemplate the choices you've made. What... what do you mean? Anna tried to sit up, collapsing as her spine protested. Curious patrons and working girls peered into the open lift, apathetic smiles flitting across their faces. Not a single one came to help. One girl, the one they had found begging for scraps in the alley on 14th Street, she stared at Anna from atop the riser she was dancing on. I would save my energy if I were you. They aren't going to help you. But I'm hurt. And how many years did you allow them to suffer while you made millions? Anna tried to beg, to plead. Her throat constricted as if that girl's tiny hand had wrapped around it and squeezed. Anna gaped at the hundreds of patrons the people to whom she'd brought joy and happiness, who merely went back to their drinks, gambling, and sinful actions with her waitresses and dancing girls. You'll find that they're as unconcerned about your situation 
as you were for them all those years ago, Victoria said as she stepped out of the lift. The noise of the bar rose as if the girl's presence had suppressed it all along. Wait! Anna shouted. Victoria shook her head. I have other work to attend to. Other people who need my attention. Tears began. I can pay you, please. Tell me how to take the pain away. The pain you're feeling will forever be a reminder of your choice. Wait! Anna sobbed. The girls and patrons pointed at her now, gawking, laughing. The words crumbled out of her dry mouth. How long must I suffer this indignity? Victoria looked at the women in the bar, to the black men serving the customers. Many of those women died working for you. Some of the men too. They never found peace. And still, you refuse to give it. Their fate is now your own. The sentence cast. The arbiter stepped out of the lift. Stop! Anna pleaded. I'll change. I swear. I'll make this right. But Victoria was gone. The music rose as the piano man bopped along to I'm Wild About That Thing by Bessie Smith. The working girl crooned, From you, Papa, I can't get enough. And the men whooped and hollered, encouraging her. Anna dragged herself toward the front of the lift, snarling at the unwashed, wretched beasts who laughed at her now. She searched for the cruel little girl, but couldn't find her. A group of partiers danced past her as the song rose louder and louder. Anna snatched at the thin ankle of the harlot leading the line, but the dancing girl lightly floated over Anna's hand. Come back here, you hussy! Anna barked, but the small line of dancing patrons arm in arm with the girls they were paying to get attention from, skipped away, leaving her forgotten on the floor. Anna Creed collapsed, her joints not willing to pull her away from her humiliation. Face down, half inside, half outside the lift, forgotten as the party raged on around her, drowning out her sobbing.